Did you find Deuteronomy chapter 8? The scripture reads, the words of the Lord, all the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you. Testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power manifested toward those who believe. And I ask this morning, now that you would come and anoint my lips of clay, to preach the word of the living God, and that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that we might receive the word with gladness of heart. We ask this in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. We are talking about tasting the grapes, and we have been discussing what God's word says concerning the promised land. This land of blessing that God has prepared for every believer, for every child of His. And this morning, as we think about the promised land, I want to just let you know that outside of the promised land is a wilderness. Every place outside of the promised land is a dry place for the believer. And God wants you to come into the promised land. He wants you to enjoy the fullness of Christ and the fullness of blessing that can be found in the Lord. The book of Deuteronomy is a book that was spoken to a people in the wilderness who are about to go into the promised land, who are about to go and taste the grapes of the goodness of God and the fulfilled promises of God in their lives. But in order to get into the promised land, God had to bring them out of the wilderness. The Bible tells us a great many things about the wilderness experience. I dare say that every person here will one day or another experience a wilderness season in their life. I hope you're not going through wilderness right now, but if you are, please pay attention this morning. Because God wants to bring you out of the wilderness. The Bible tells us about great many servants of the Lord that the Lord used the wilderness to prepare them for great things. He used the wilderness in the life of Moses. Forty years Moses spent in the desert shepherding his father-in-law's flock of sheep as God prepared him and cultivated him to become the deliverer of Israel. We read about Elijah who the Lord led into the wilderness for that season of time in which he was fed by the ravens and he drank water from the book Kareth and God used that wilderness experience to shape him and to mold him. We read about David who was persecuted by King Saul and ran into the wilderness and hid in the caves of that wilderness uh, mountain range of Judea as he waited upon God's timing and God's purpose for his life. We also read about Jesus who went into the wilderness and we'll discuss that a few minutes this morning. God uses the wilderness because really the wilderness is a university in which he can prepare us 
to do great things. When you're going through a wilderness many times, you're tempted to despair. But I want you to be reminded this morning that God has a purpose for every season of your life. God has a purpose for every moment that you and I endure. And when you go through a wilderness of life, God doesn't waste those moments. But he uses them to prepare you, to shape you, and to mold you into becoming the man or the woman that he has designed for you to be. We read this morning that the Lord led Israel into the wilderness. He led them into this place in order to accomplish three things in their life. The text says, first of all, that God led them into the wilderness so that he might humble them. Then it says he led them into the wilderness that he might prove them. And finally, he led them into the wilderness in order to reveal what was in their hearts. First of all, he took them into the wilderness to humble them. You see, because the original sin of man is pride. Pride is that one thing that will keep you out of the promised land. It is that one thing that will keep you out of a victorious Christian life. And it is in the human heart without God to think that we can do it on our own. That we have our power and our strength to make things happen for ourselves. But see, God takes us many times into this wilderness type experiences in order that we might be humbled in our pride. And we might learn to depend exclusively upon God. The Bible said that God looks far away at the proud. But he gives grace to the humble and he abides with the humble. He comes and he sits with us who are willing to humble ourselves and to say, God, I don't know what to do right now. I don't have the answers. I don't have the solutions. Maybe you're going through a wilderness right now and you're saying, Pastor, how do I get out of this dry place? How do I get out of this wilderness? I'll tell you how. The first step is to humble yourself before God. To acknowledge, God, I have made some mistakes. I have made decisions without prayer. I have made decisions without consulting the word of God. Now I've come into this dry place now, and I need your help. I need your assistance. I need your deliverance. And the Bible assures us that no one who ever humbled himself before God would under any circumstances be turned away. I don't care how many mistakes you've made. I don't care how bad the detour you, you, you took was. When you come to God in humility, God will receive you and God will help you and bring you out. Somebody say amen. The next purpose of the wilderness for the nation of Israel was to test them, to prove them. You might say, Pastor, why is it necessary to be tested? Every phase of life requires testing. If you don't pass the test in first grade, you can't go to second grade. And if you don't pass the test in high school, you can't go to college. And if you don't pass the test of life, you stay in the same level for too long. And this morning, there are some of you are in levels God wants you to come up. But he wants you to pass the test. He wants you to come through and to endure to a new level, to a new place. He brought Israel to the wilderness in order to test them. And if you say, well, pastor, I really don't want to be tested. I really don't want to go through this season of testing in my life. Can I tell you that even Jesus went through a season such as that? The Bible said that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And he was tested by the devil. He was tested by Satan in the wilderness. And on three occasions, Satan came to him and tempted Jesus to fail. He tempted Jesus to fail the test. 
You see, all of us have taken the test and we've all failed. But when Jesus took the test, Jesus did not fail the test. He endured the test of Satan and he stood and was, became for us a warrior and a champion of what it means to stand the test and to pass. So that you and I now today, we don't stand in our own ability to endure the test, but you and I stand in Christ's power to be able to endure every test that comes against us by the word of God. What was his answer in the test? When the devil came to him, and the devil said to him, Jesus, if you're the son of God, do that manna thing. Turn these stones into bread. Do that thing that was done in the wilderness for the nation of Israel. You see, Jesus had come into the wilderness in order to identify himself with the nation of Israel. And he came into the wilderness to identify with you. So if you feel like you're in a wilderness that no one's ever been in, let me just tell you, Jesus walked through that wilderness before you. And he has already endured that wilderness. And he said to that devil, he said, devil, it is written, and man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. On three occasions the devil came to him, and on three occasions Jesus passed the test by the word of God. It is written. It is written. It is written. What am I telling you this morning? If you want to pass the test, go to the word of God, because it is the answer for every test of life, and it is the answer for your victory and your deliverance. Then the Bible said that he took them into the wilderness in order to show them what was in their hearts. You see, we don't know ourselves as well as we think we do. We think we know ourselves, but God knows you better. And he takes you to the wilderness at times to show you what's in your heart. To show you what is behind the scene, that, that thing that you think isn't there or hasn't been there for a long time and God knows it's there and he wants to bring it out because there are some things that can't go into the promised land. There are some ways of thinking and ways of living that can't go into the promises of God and so God says I need to take you through the wilderness so that you can see what's in your heart. You see God already knows what's in my heart. It's me that doesn't know. Many times I'm sure we've all been in this situation where we've been pressed and troubled our life and things have come out of us we didn't know were there. And we realize, oh, I need more sanctification than I thought I did. I need more of God than I thought I did. In my life, one of the great wilderness experiences was when I was uh, 23 years old. The Lord told me the, uh, the fall uh, before that summer that he was going to use me to preach in Africa. And I didn't have any open doors to Africa. I didn't have any invitations there, but I believed God. And he, he began to open the doors. Within a few months, the door to Africa opened. And I ran through that thing with excitement because God had told me that I was going to be ministering in Africa. And then uh, once the, the door opened and I began to realize the finances that were going to be needed, I got a phone call and uh, it was an elderly lady. She said, uh, Brother Isaac, she said, I heard about your trip to Africa and I want to help you raise the money. She said, so I want you to come over to my house for a tea party with my friends and you're going to talk to us about the trip to Africa. 
So I went over to this house, and you can imagine 22, 23-year-old young man sitting among a bunch of 70 and 80-year-old blue-haired ladies. And there I was telling them about my, my vision for what God was going to do in Africa, and they started writing their checks. And when they had uh, done writing their checks, I was told that they had raised enough money for the entire trip and to also be able to pay for someone else uh, to go as well. And so God was just opening doors, and it was a miraculous work of the Spirit in my life. When I got to Africa, things changed. Things began to go downhill. First of all, I had to travel from Swaziland to Nigeria, and the the permit to go into Nigeria was forfeited. It was canceled. They wouldn't allow us to travel to Nigeria. Now I had a real problem on my hands because the only way to get home was through Nigeria. And so I said, well, it's no problem. God's got a month to work it out. And I left that in God's hands. Then myself and other members of the team became ill. One of us became so ill they had to be placed in the hospital. And I guarantee you, the last place in the world you want to be is in an African hospital. Well, that's where he was. And so it began to feel like God had packed his bags, come back to America, and left me alone in Swaziland. And I would go into my dormitory every night, and I would cry out to God and say, God, I don't sense your, your presence. I don't feel like you're with me. Why have you done this to me? We got closer and closer to the time when we had to be flying through Nigeria and that door wouldn't open. And every day I would go out and preach in the high schools of Swaziland. And people were being saved and lives were being changed. But in my own heart I was going through a wilderness. For that entire month I did not perceive or hear the presence of God or hear the voice of God for that time. I felt abandoned. I felt neglected. I felt as though God had broken his word to me. As though he had tricked me and brought me into Africa and then left me there alone. And the finally time that the time came to come home, there was no uh, uh, access to Nigeria. We lost our flight and had no way or no means of purchasing another flight. Finally, we borrowed some money. And myself and the, uh, my friend who was traveling with me, we, we boarded a flight to come back into the United States. And the night before we came back, I went into his dormitory where he was laying in his bed he was sick he was trembling and I said to him I should have been encouraging him but I was so discouraged I said I'm going to go home and I'm going to go into politics and I'm forgetting about preaching I'll never preach again I said I'm done I said I don't understand how God can lead a young man into Africa and then leave him alone and leave him without resources and he said no Isaac you can't do that but I I left with that discouragement in my heart Finally borrowed that money, we got on that plane, and as that, um, I got into that plane, I, on top of all of that, I had a middle seat. It's like, it was just like one thing on top of another. And there I was sitting in that middle seat, and when that airplane lifted up off the ground, for the first time in that season, I heard the voice of God. And he said, Isaac, I have taken you into the wilderness to show you what was in your heart. And he, he quoted to me the verse I read to you this morning. He said, Isaac, you must decide whether you will serve me because I'm good to you or whether you will serve me because I am worthy of your service. And there God pointed out some things in my heart that were not pleasing to him. He revealed to me that my heart was too committed 
to the good things, to the high moments of the testimony. But God was saying, look, son, if you're going to serve me, you're going to have to serve me in the thick and the thin. You're going to have to serve me in every season of life. And as I, as I sobbed on that airplane, I, I, I sensed the recovery of my soul before God. And I realized that God was showing me things in my heart that I didn't know were there. Can I tell you this morning that God wants to show you the things that are in your heart. That he might heal those things that are broken. That he might deliver those things that are bound. That he might restore those things that have been damaged by life. And can I tell you only Jesus can do that. And Jesus can do that today if you will believe him and trust in him. He took them into the wilderness in order to show them their heart. And you see, guys, unless God does this, we'll die in the wilderness. Unless God proves us and teaches us humility and causes us to trust exclusively in him, we will die in the wilderness. But if we will endure the wilderness, there's a promised land on the other side of the wilderness. I don't know if you heard me this morning. I said there's a promised land on the other side of the wilderness. Some of you are going through a wilderness right now. And all you can see is the desert. I want to tell you, look up a little bit and look just over the horizon. There's a promised land on the other side of the wilderness. Come on, somebody. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. God has greater things for you than you can imagine or even believe. Jesus used this text to challenge Satan because, you see, Satan came to Jesus the same way he comes to us. And he wants us to believe that our life consists of material things. He said, turn these stones into bread. He was basically telling Jesus, you have the power to get what you want. Jesus had not eaten for 40 days. I guarantee you a little bread and coffee would have been a wonderful thing. Jesus could have built a Starbucks right there. Or a KFC. But Jesus knew something that Moses needed to teach the nation of Israel back in Deuteronomy. And that was this, that if you have houses and you have bread and you have jobs... But you don't have God, you don't have a life. Man cannot live by bread alone. Man cannot live by money alone. Man cannot live by houses and land alone. Man needs more than that to live. Because you see, if we live only on bread and, and material things, all we live is at the level of the animals. The animals have food, they have water, they have shelter. They don't have a life. But Jesus came that you might have a life. I said, Jesus came that you might have a life. And until you have Jesus, you don't have a life. Listen, you can have wealth and you can have influence, you can have power. But if you don't have Jesus, you're not yet living, friend. But when you have Jesus in your life, doesn't matter what else is lacking, you have the life of God. You have everything that you could need or want. Man cannot live by bread alone. What does he live by then? He lives by the word of God. 
You see, you and I are creatures of the Word. We were made by the Word of God. And we live by the Word of God. It is the Word of God that gives life to every man and to every creature. And it is the Word of God that gives spiritual life to you. The Word of God is the will of God. Say that with me. The Word of God is the will of God. If you want to know what God thinks about something, go to the Word. You want to know what God thinks about money or about relationships or about marriage or about divorce? Or you want to know what God thinks about your past or your present or your future? Do you want to know what God thinks about the issues of controversy in our nation today? Go to the Word of God because the Word of God is God's will expressed. And we don't have to wonder about what God thinks or how God feels. If you want to know, you go to the Word of God. If you want to know what does God think about my past, this is what his word says. His word said that he took your sin and he buried it in the deepest part of the sea, never to be remembered against you again. God's word is his will. And he has revealed that to us. God's word is truth. You and I have found truth in the word of God. The word of God cannot lie. It remains true unto the end. Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. If you want to know truth, if you want a foundation that is rock solid and immovable, read the word of God. The word of God is a revelation of God himself. It is the revelation of the person, character, and nature of God. Some of you have said, well, I wish I could know God. I wish I could know the Lord the way the elders know him. I wish I could know the Lord the way Pastor Isaac knows him. Can I tell you, you can know God better than I know him by just knowing the word of God. If you want to know what God is like, read his word. His word tells you his name. It tells you his character. It reveals his power. It reveals his glory. His word is like a love letter. When you read it, it reveals to you the great love and grace of an almighty God. When I was a little boy, I received this love letter, and I'm still reading it to this day. And it amazes me how many times I go through the scripture and I'm reading what God's word says. And I just have to lean back and say, whoa, I didn't know that about God. And I'm planning that when I'm 120 years old and I'm still reading this Bible, that I'm going to still be saying, whoa, I didn't know that that was in the word of God. Do you want to know him? Get to know his word. Don't depend upon what other people tell you about him. Depend upon what you can find in his word. You can know him for yourself. The word of God is food for your soul. The Bible says in Job chapter 23, verse 12, I have esteemed your words more than my necessary food. Job understood this principle. He said, God, I have esteemed your word more valuable than food, more valuable than tacos and enchiladas more valuable than tamales, more valuable than anything that can be served on a table. Friend, the word of God is more important than your necessary food because the word of God is food to your spirit. Listen, if you don't eat, you won't die immediately, but you will die eventually if you don't eat. Can I tell you, the same is true in the spirit. If you don't eat spiritually, you will die. And spiritual death, awaits anyone who neglects the word of God. So, but when you read the word of God, when you hear the word of God, you are feeding your spirit. 
You are feeding your soul. And don't worry about feelings. You might say sometimes, well, I didn't feel much. Don't worry about that. It's not about feelings. The Word of God is feeding your soul whether you feel it or not. And sooner or later, it's going to produce strength and life in your body and in your mind and in your soul. The Word of God is not just food for the soul, but the Word of God will produce success in your life. Listen, how many of you want to be successful? Raise your hand if you want to be successful. That's what I thought. This is a very successful church. What does God's word say about that? If you do what God's word says, you will succeed. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. The Bible says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you will meditate on it day and night. And you will observe to do all that is written in it. And then you will be prosperous and you will have good success. Do you want to succeed in marriage? Read the Bible. I didn't get a single amen. You want to succeed in raising children? Read the Bible. You want to succeed in business? Read the Bible. You want to succeed in your spiritual walk? Read the Bible. I'll give you one more. Don't just read it. Live it. And when you live it, you will find success every single time. God has written a success manual that is greater than anything that has ever been on the New York Times bestselling list. If you read the Word of God, it will bring success into your life. The Word of God is health to your body. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 22. It says, for they are life to those who find them and healing to their flesh. The Word of God is like medicine to your body. Whenever you take medicine again, before you pop that pill, pop the Bible, all right? Go and get the Word of God. See, what does God say about this? Because it's the Word of God that brings medicine to your bones. There was a lady in church. She had turned 100 years old. And the pastor said to her, ma'am, she said, what is the reason for your longevity? She said, the Word of God. Is, is, is health to my bones. And that is true today. She said, I read the word of God every single day. You say, Pastor, is that really possible? Can the word of God produce health in my body? Absolutely can. Why? Because God's word is creative. Think about this. When God spoke, he created the world. One word. One word from God. Let there be light. And the sun started shining. And the sun is still shining. And guess what? If you go out there, it will bake your skin if you stay in that sun. One word from God produced that, that ball of fire millions of, of, of miles away that is shining brightly over the earth producing light. Do you think the Word of God cannot do what you need done? I'm here today to tell you if the Word of God could create the heavens and the earth, the Word of God can change your life. It can transform your life and give you health and healing. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 47. It says, this is not an idle word. Indeed, it is your life. And by this word... You will prolong your days in the land. And you will cross this Jordan. Listen to what God says right there. Again, Deuteronomy 32, 47. He says, these are no idle words, but they are your life. 
The Word of God is my life. And you need to be able to say that about yourself. I wish I could say it for you. I hope it's true. But I say this for myself. The Word of God is my life. And the Word of God is your life. Because in it is every prayer you're praying answered. In it is every need you need met. In it are the desires of your heart. And it is your life. And he says that the Word of God will prolong your days in the promised land. What does that mean, Pastor? That means that if you live by the Word of God, you'll have more good days than bad days. That was a weak amen. I said if you live by the Word of God, you'll have more good days than bad days. You see, some of you have just decided, well, you know, there's going to be some bad days and some good days, and I'll just take the good days when I can get them. God says if you live by my word, you'll have more good days than bad days. The Bible talks about Job. Job lost his sons, he lost his houses, and he lost his livestock. Just like that. All gone. And he went through a season of wilderness. He went through a season of great trial and testing. And his wife, she said to him, Job, just curse God and die, man. Aren't you glad you didn't marry her? He said, woman. No, that's, my, that's the Isaac translation. He said, though God slay me, yet I'll trust him. God knows what he's doing with me. He knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I will come forth like pure gold. And the Bible says that the end of Job's life, God gave him double for his trouble. He had children again and more than he had the first time. And he had livestock again, twice as many as he had the first time. And he had houses again, twice as many as he had the first time. But that's not all. His life after the trial was longer than his life before the trial. Come on, somebody. God knows How to make his word prolong your days. Your good days will be more than your bad days if you live by the word of God. Now here's what I want to encourage you to do this morning. I want to encourage you to say, Lord, speak to me. I need to hear your voice. Because you see, it's the word of God that can bring you out of the wilderness. One word from God can bring you out of the wilderness. And I believe this morning that every single one of us in our heart, we want to hear the voice of God. We want to hear the word of God. You see, maybe you've been living and depending upon your job and upon your physical ability, and you've been depending upon all the things that God has provided. And God says, look, I'm not going to ever let those things satisfy you. Only my word can do that. Only my presence can do that. 
And today, if you will call upon him and just say, Lord, speak to me. His word will teach you humility. His word will give you the answers to the test. His word will reveal what's in your heart. His word will sustain your soul. And that word, when it comes in, the Bible said it brings light. It brings understanding. It brings revelation. You might be going through a season right now that you don't understand. You don't get it. You say, God, I don't get it. Tell him, speak to me, Lord. Tell me what I need to hear that I might obey your voice and be led by your spirit. Jesus was led into the wilderness for 40 days. He was tested by the devil three times. But Luke chapter 4 says that after the third temptation, Satan left him. And Jesus came down out of that wilderness in the power of the Spirit. He came with a new anointing, with a new revelation, with greater strength. That's what God wants to do for you today. He wants you to come in the power of the Spirit and in the power of His Word because He has work for you to do. There's a promised land for you to possess. There is a ministry for you to accomplish. There is a message for you to preach. There is a song for you to sing. Come on, somebody. God wants you to come out of the wilderness. His Word can do that. Would you stand with me, please, this morning? I want to open this altar to every person that would say, Pastor Isaac, I need to hear from God. I need to hear from God. My family needs to hear from God. We need direction. We need that word of God that can create peace where there is no peace. That can create victory where there is no victory. And if that's you this morning, I don't want you to hesitate. Just come into this altar because his word is your life. His voice is your life. Just come and tell him, Lord, I'm listening. Speak to me. I want to hear what you have to say. And listen, when, when God speaks, you won't be the only one that hears him. Satan's going to hear him too. And Satan's going to tremble at the power of the voice of the Almighty God. Come on, just come before him in humility this morning. Tell him, speak, Lord. I need to hear your voice. I need to hear what you would say to my soul. Almighty God. We humble our hearts before you this morning because we know that there is a promised land on the other side of this wilderness. Listen, where you are right now, this ain't it. This isn't all that God has for you. God has more for you than you can imagine. Listen to his voice. Receive victory.